How y'all doing there? Sure would like to thank y'all for stopping by to have a cigar with Uncle Maduro. Look at here. <laughs> now y'all know before we get started, all I can tell y'all what I'm smoking on. And tonight, I'm smoking on an Olivia Series B Maduro. Man, this here is a good full body stick here. Now before I tell y'all what I'm thinking about it, gotta tell y'all what these folks say. Now, these folks say this Olivia family blew up the cigar scene with this award-winning Series B blend. Back orders are plenty. This enchanting handmade set a new standard among today's finest full body and full flavor cigars. Enter Series B Maduro. Previously available only during the holidays. This dark double Turo booms with big time flavor and is finally ready for year-round release. On the outside, a toothy, expertly fermented, sun-grown wrapper conceals a long-leaf mixture of aged yet potent Nicaraguan Ligloras. The result is a robust boutique layered with rich, toasty nuances include coconut bean, express bean, earth, and dark tobacco flavors. A toasty, underlying spicy completes the full-body treat, which represents Olivia's spotless release to date. Olivia receiving B. Maduro received a well-deserved 92 rating. It is exceptionally smoked. It is very rich and balanced with coffee notes and sweet, naughty flavors that build to a pleasantly woody finish. Man, what they say all that stuff did. Now, I'm going to tell y'all what I say. This here is a good stick. Now, all that stuff, like I tell you, all that nuances, coconut beans, express beans, I can't taste none of that. But you got some folks who can taste all them notes. I just look for a good, smooth cigar. I can taste some of them nuanced flavors in there, but I can't identify what they is. But I can't taste them in there. I'm really, really enjoying this stick here. Man, let me tell you. If y'all get a chance, go to your local cigar spot. Like I always tell y'all, support your local cigar spot first. Pick up this series, The Maduro. It is a really good stick. And if you can't find at your local stop out, go online and like CIs or hold to somewhere like that and order yourself for your humidor. But this is a really good stick here. I'm really enjoying it. Man, let me tell you. Olivia Series B Maduro. But look at here. I got some talk here for y'all. Tonight, we're going to take a look at property, especially property taxes. Especially do you own your property? This is, a, this is a very interesting subject, at least to me, because I know, you know, a lot of times in, in this country, we have bought into a lot of misconceptions, especially myself. You know, as growing up, you know, they tell you to work hard. You know, you get a dog and a white picket fence and two kids and a station wagon. That's what it was when I was coming up. That's what everybody's strived for, the American dream. You know, America was free, you know. The biggest propaganda machine there is. <laughs> this is one of the most successful propaganda machines there is. I kind of look at these days what this computer did, it did and is doing to this country. It's almost like the emperor has no clothes. It's like this, the internet is just unclothing this country. And all this information, the whole world is starting to see. Because y'all know at one time, everybody wants to come to America. Because America was the home of the free and the brave. It was supposed to be freedom. You know, we have freedom over here in America. But do you really have freedom? Because I had to stop and think about something here recently when I started um, reading my place here. 
you know, I didn't know nothing about what we're going to learn tonight back then. Only thing I know is I get thinking about two and two and four ain't figuring it is leading up to 18. I'm thinking something wrong. So I'm thinking I don't want to own no more house. I would rather just rent. I don't want the overhead. I don't want the expense. A lot of people talking about the tax break. With a house, you get a tax break. With a house, it, a house appreciates all that good stuff like that. Well, there's some nuances that y'all may not be thinking about when y'all thinking about consider buying a house. When y'all thinking about investing in a house, there's a lot of things y'all don't think about. Like I was telling this one, one, one fella, a house, a house is a liability. A house is only, only, only becomes an asset to you when you sell it and make a profit. Other than that, all the years that you in the house, that house is a liability. But I couldn't quite figure things out. I just had this notion that I did not want to buy another house. I would rather rent. And my whole philosophy was the mobility of it for myself. But when I came across this recent information that I'm about to share with you guys tonight, it really, really makes sense, my thinking. It just put it all in perspective. You know, the big illusion is, in this country is that you own things. You don't own nothing in this country. But people think that this is the home of the land of the free and the brave. No, it's not. This is still the home of the slave. And when I say slave, I'm not talking about black folks either. I'm talking about slave to the almighty dollar. Slave if giving up your giving up your labor for money. For money, an intangible thing like money that's only good in your imagination. And y'all go back and listen to my some of my earlier pie talks on money and finances and the Federal Reserve, all that kind of stuff. I'm not gonna rekindle it here. But I just want to talk about here tonight. We're gonna take a look at property. Do you own your property? Do you own? Do, do you know uh, some of these little nuances that's involved with property owning? Do you own the land that you own? I think they say something like 24, 24 folks who own something like 40% of the land in the United States. How did the, you know, Ted Turner, one of, how did he get all that land? Huh? But your house, you thinking that you know, you own your house if your house paid for. But we're going to take a look at this thing right here. And then we're going to come back on the flip side and we're going to talk about some things. I may go on a little rant. Y'all know me. But I just want to give y'all some insight, something to think about here when you're thinking about property. You know, when you think about buying your home. When you think about going out and getting a, a mortgage for a home. When you think about anything supposed to last a lifetime, at least 30 years. Y'all look how these folks got this game Right, because that's all it is is a game. It's like a it's, it's, it's like a sleight of hand game that 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 uh, has been pulled over the American folks' eye when it comes to ownership of property, any property in this in this country that that, that you have to pay a note on and you got to pay taxes on. These folks they really put this system together, but this internet here is opening things up where people really seeing what's going on behind some of these things. They got these property. These property laws and why we pay all these taxes and man, it's it, it's just a mess, just too much information. But I'm already trying to hold myself back from going on a rant. But right now, I want y'all to take a listen to this. Now I'm gonna skip back and smoke on my Olivia Sirius V Maduro. But y'all listen to this, and I'm gonna come back on the flip side, and we're gonna talk about some things here when it comes to property. You see, because I may get carried away here, so I may, may just need to shut my mouth right quick here. And let y'all take a listen to this and come back and get with y'all 
on the flip side, alright? Alright now. Now, let's take a look at 11 reasons why this person suggests, never to own a house. 1. As investments go, it's not always a great deal. While it's true that some homes do appreciate, so do many other assets. If you bought a house for, say, $200,000 30 years ago, it would be worth $468,375.09 today. While that gain feels impressive, that appreciation is based solely on inflation, which means that, in theory, the same appreciation would have happened with any asset. While we did make money on the sale of our house, I suspect we would have had a similar increase had we invested that money in the market or in our business. 2. The mortgage interest deduction doesn't make up for the fact that you're still paying a lot of interest. While I understand that it's possible to buy a house without a mortgage, the large percentage of homeowners, more than 70%, take out a loan. With average mortgage rates at 4.3%, as of this morning, you'll actually pay $356,307.44 for a $200,000 home, $156,307.44 in interest alone. Averaged over 30 years, that works out to a little over $5,000 per year, even though in practice you pay the most interest at the beginning. Assuming you're in a 25% bracket, and you itemize, that works out to a tax savings of just over $1,300 per year. But the word savings is somewhat of a misnomer because you're still out of pocket more than you get back in tax savings, in our example, you would save less than $40,000 while paying out more than $150,000 in interest. 3. Homes often tempt people borrow more than they can afford. As Congress tosses around the idea of taking away the home mortgage interest deduction, homeowners are screaming that they won't be able to afford their homes without it. In fact, when you're looking to buy, most lenders and realtors will use the deduction as a selling point to boost prices. But is that a great strategy? When buying a new dress or a new car, consumers tend to focus on the cost of the item alone when determining how much to spend. But when it comes to mortgages, that number edges up because of the potential for tax savings, again, see number 2. With that temptation, combined with a sluggish economy, it's no wonder that more than 10 million homeowners are currently underwater on mortgages worth more than actual house values. We were fortunately not one of them but not for lack of the banks trying. When we bought our home, we were actually approved for a mortgage which was hundreds of thousands of dollars more than the home we ultimately bought. We opted for a less expensive home, and thankfully so. 4. Owning a house subject to a mortgage drives up debt-to-income ratios. Assuming that you borrow to buy your home, again, a pretty reasonable assumption, that debt load can be a drag on your credit and ability to borrow for other things, like a new car. I've made no secret about the fact that I owe a significant amount in student loans. That already affects my perceived ability to pay when figuring my credit. A mortgage dramatically increases that ratio. Interestingly, our monthly rental payment is actually more than our monthly mortgage payment, but on paper, our rent is not a debt, it's an expense. The two may be treated very differently, depending on the circumstances. 5. A mortgage is typically 20 or 30 years while, at any given time, the current administration has only 4, or possibly 8. I can't stress this enough. The home mortgage interest deduction has been around for what seems like forever. Does that mean it that you can count on it to be around in 10, 20, or 30 years? Don't be so sure. The deduction has become increasingly vulnerable, it has been a talking point in practically every administration from Bush to Obama, despite Reagan's famous promise to the National Association of Realtors in a 1984 speech that he would preserve the part of the American dream which the home mortgage interest deduction symbolizes. Just this year, Eric J. Totter, 
the co-director of the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center, advised Congress that achieving a revenue-neutral tax reform that reduces marginal tax rates significantly would be difficult or impossible to achieve without cutting back the mortgage interest deduction or some other equally popular and widely used provisions. 6. A mortgage is typically 20 or 30 years. So yeah, I said that already. But I have another point, home ownership can limit your mobility. We were fortunate that we were able to write checks for our rent and our mortgage. While we could afford to make both payments, chances are that we would not have been able to obtain a mortgage for a second house while continuing to carry the first. Often, in order to move, you have to sell, or rent, your first home. I've been a landlord before and I'm not inclined to do it again. And selling our house in this economy was no small feat that's part of the reason that we stayed so long in one place, it was hard to move. In addition to our own missed opportunities, that may not be good for the country's economy, economists Andrew Oswald and David Blanchflower found that rates of high homeownership lead to higher rates of unemployment in both the US and Europe because, among other issues, owning a home may keep people from moving to areas with good jobs and creates negative externalities. 7. Houses take a lot of your money. There's a reason that many folks refer to their homes as money pits, you often put a lot of money that you'll never see again into a home. Not all improvements are deductible. Deductible expenses are generally limited to casualty loss deductions. In most cases, significant repairs to your home merely increase your basis for purposes of calculating a gain at sale. As most taxpayers aren't likely to experience the kind of gain that would subject them to capital gains, basis isn't always an issue which means that those expenditures get lost. Thousands of dollars to replace the air conditioning unit. The new garbage disposal. Replacing the flooring in the kitchen. The new washer slash dryer. Landscaping additions. You can't write them off and while you may recover some dollars at sale, rarely do you recover the entire amount. If you add all of those expenditures up over a 30-year period, you might see an explanation for some of that gain at sale. Often homeowners get fixated on two numbers, the purchase price of the house and the selling price of the house, but don't forget to account for all of the money you spent in between. 8. If you do hit the home appreciation jackpot, there can be significant taxes. Not all houses bleed money. Not all appreciation can be attributed to inflation and slash or a combination of home improvements, sometimes, it turns out to be a good investment. But there is a price, if the gain on the sale of your home exceeds the $250,000 exclusion, or $500,000 for married taxpayers, the proceeds over that exclusion are subject to capital gains. Additionally, under the new healthcare law, a Medicare tax of 3.8% will be imposed on investment slash unearned income, which includes gain from the sale of your home, for high-income taxpayers. High-income taxpayers means those individual taxpayers reporting income over $200,000 and married taxpayers filing jointly reporting income over $250,000. 9. I like for things to be predictable and real estate taxes can vary. While mortgage payments can remain fairly flat, assuming you have a fixed mortgage rate, you more or less know what you're paying each year. You don't always have the same result with real estate taxes. Your tax bill can change based on property assessments and reassessments, just ask Philadelphia, or a change in tax rates, especially in today's climate as townships and counties search for revenue. Unlike most commercial leases, residential leases don't tend to be triple net meaning that the expenses are not directly passed through but tend to be figured as part of the total rental payments. Real estate taxes are generally accounted for in the cost of the rental, when they are not, they may be limited by statute or otherwise capped. 10. You can't deduct a loss on the sale of your home. If I lose money on stocks, I can net those losses against other gains. If I lose money in my business, 
I can deduct those losses or use them to offset other gains, even in other years. But it doesn't work that way when it comes to housing. You can never claim a capital loss on the sale of a personal residence, no matter how much it hurts. In this market, many taxpayers are finding this to be the case. That makes putting all of your investment eggs in the housing basket a risky proposition. 11. It's getting more difficult to claim the itemized deduction. Home mortgage interest is only deductible if you itemize on your Schedule A, meaning that only about one-third of taxpayers even have the option of taking the deduction. You itemize if your deductions exceed the standard deduction, for 2013, the applicable standard deduction rates are $12,200 for married taxpayers filing jointly, $8,950 for head of household, $6,100 for individual taxpayers and $6,100 for married taxpayers filing separate. Those numbers are getting harder to get to for many taxpayers, including me. Mathematically, the longer you own your house, the less you owe in interest and the smaller the deduction. Add that to the bump in the threshold for the medical expense deduction, which means that I'm not going to be able to claim those expenses in 2013, restrictions due to the P's limitations and the bar for miscellaneous deductions, and taxpayers are increasingly finding that the deduction is actually quite elusive. I'm not saying that owning a home is a bad thing. I like being a homeowner. I just happen to like renting more. I like that when our oven died, it was replaced, at no additional cost to me, that same day. And I like that as I wandered through Home Depot, I happily gazed at cabinet pulls and meandered through the garden center rather than making a beeline for caulk, wood putty or other maintenance items. Maintenance is no longer my problem. I'm also not advising folks to eschew real estate, it can be a good investment for some taxpayers. In addition to owner-occupied properties, rentals can be a good financial move. While I have no desire to be a landlord again, it has been a good bet for many taxpayers. My father-in-law has rented properties for years. He realized, like many other taxpayers, that rental real estate is not only a good income stream but a forced retirement plan. But he, like other savvy real estate owners, also understands the rules and the economics, and makes decisions accordingly. What I am saying is that we shouldn't buy into the idea that owning a home is for everyone. And it's not just me, at the end of August, the U.S. Census Bureau reported that the home ownership rate was 65.5%, the lowest rate in the past 50 years, adding borrowers in risk of default, the number is closer to 62%. In contrast, ownership in 2010 was nearly 69%, for purposes of context, a 1% change in the ownership represents well over a million homeowners. That dip doesn't spell disaster for our country. It would be a mistake to assume that countries with high incidence of home ownership are synonymous with a strong economy, Russia, Italy, Greece, and Spain, countries with struggling economies, have significantly higher home ownership rates than the US. Conversely, some countries with traditionally strong economies like Germany, Switzerland, and Japan, have lower home ownership rates than in the US. There are so many considerations when deciding whether to buy a home. It's not the ideal scenario for all families. Don't be fooled by promises of tax savings and tax-free appreciation, that's not always the case. A home is a huge investment so be sure to research what it might mean for you before taking the leap, and don't be afraid to say no. I did. And tonight, as I sit on my rented porch, staring out at my rented view while my kids happily play inside a house that they've already made their home, I don't regret my decision one bit. Lastly. Here's five reasons why it's probably better to rent than buy a home. Sometimes it's just better to rent than to buy your home. It's more flexible and might be less expensive. Here are five reasons you should wait to buy a home and rent instead. For decades, the path to typical American adulthood has been pretty static. 
you graduate college, begin a career, start a family and buy a home. Eventually, your family gets bigger and you buy a bigger home to accommodate them. In other words, home ownership is baked into the American dream as most people see it. But lately, younger generations have started to challenge that idea. Home ownership rates are way down amongst millennials at just more than half the national average. That dip is certainly intensified by the comparatively lower incomes and higher home costs millennials face compared to older generations, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Young people are starting to realize that buying isn't always better than renting. Here's why. What's ahead? 1. You can move easily. 2. Sharing is easier. 3. It's hard to sell a house. 4. It's less expensive. 5. How to decide what's right for you. Summary. 1. You can move easily. Crystal Hammond of Sophisticated Spender used to live in a 1,500-square-foot home on the outskirts of Washington, D.C. Though she still owns the property as a landlord, Hammond relocated to a 500-square-foot condo in the city. She loves the flexibility of being a renter. If she gets a job offer across the country or wants to downsize even more, she can do so easily. Paying a typical 30-year mortgage will more or less remain the same, she said but I can always move to a different neighborhood with alternative renting methods. When you're young, buying a house can tie you down to a location before you're ready. If you get the perfect job offer in a different state, you can just break your lease early or sublet your apartment if you're renting. It's much harder to sell a home, find a new place to live and start a new job within a short time frame. 2. Sharing is easier. Unmarried couples have a different reason to rent instead of buy if the relationship ends, moving out and separating your finances is much much easier. Yes, it sucks having to move out of an apartment you once shared, but it's a lot easier than buying a home with someone you're not married to. Buying a home when you're not married presents a few different legal challenges, especially if you choose to only have one person's name on the deed. Even if both people are contributing equally to the mortgage payments, only the deed holder has a legal claim on the property. If that person decides to sell the house, the other person will have no choice but to move out, leaving behind any equity they helped build. The complications of owning a home with a non-spouse can be endless, and it's just one more reason why couples who aren't married should consider renting. As an alternative, they can also draw up the necessary legal documents to protect each other in case of a breakup. 3. It's hard to sell a house. Mortgage advisor and author of The Loan Guide, How to Get the Best Mortgage Possible, Casey Fleming said there are parts of the country where renting is especially better than buying a home. That's because selling a house in certain areas is difficult, and only getting worse. In those circumstances, renting allows you to move frequently without the burden of a home. To determine if you live in an area where homes sell in a few days or a few years, Fleming says to look at a few key factors such as net migration into the area, increasing jobs, and average salaries for the middle class. Note that sometimes the average wage is increasing, but distribution is changing and the money is all going to the top earners, he said. That does not bode well for strong economic conditions for the region in the future. Those circumstances could also make it difficult for you to rent out your home if it fails to sell. Even if you can afford to buy a home and want the freedom of home ownership, it's wise to know if you'll be able to offload the property when you decide to sell. 4. It's less expensive. Some financial experts will tell you it's more expensive to rent than to buy, even after including maintenance, repairs, and HOA fees. Others will insist that renting is the cheaper decision and only committed home buyers should consider getting a mortgage. The truth is somewhere in the middle. Whether or not renting is cheaper depends on where you live, the housing market and rental prices. For example, 
cities such as San Francisco and Seattle are better for renters while Omaha and Rhode Island are more favorable to home buyers. Before making a decision, look up the average rent and mortgage prices for your location. You can find these on sites like City Data or Zillow. Those figures will determine what makes most sense for you. Remember that it usually takes at least 5 years to break even on your mortgage. This is because you'll be paying more interest during the first few years. 5. How to decide what's right for you. If you're older, are getting married or have children, home ownership can seem like the obvious choice. It's the next adulting thing to do, even if you don't feel ready for the burdens of home ownership. No matter what the numbers say, always think about whether you're ready to give up the ease of renting. Yes, it's hard not being able to paint the walls whatever color you want. But it's also harder to get rid of a house that's infested with termites or cracks in the foundation than it is to just bail on a lease. Summary. Sometimes it's better to rent than to buy a home. When you buy a home, you're tied to one place. It can also be difficult to sell your home if you get a career opportunity elsewhere. Renting can offer you a nice home, but with more flexibility. In closing. You don't own your house, or your car, or your labor. Within the brains of the slightly fuzzy hominids known as humans, the concept of property is hardwired. Just look at the vocabulary we employ from the mundane, mine, his, hers, ours, theirs, take, get, own, have, steal, sell, buy, keep, to the esoteric, confiscate, exchange, escrow, lien, tax, duty, capital, loan, debt, interest, stake, liability, asset. It may be fair to postulate that some of the very first words were actually invented for the purpose of claiming, protecting, and managing property. In today's interconnected society, consider the things that you own. Perhaps you have a television, some clothes, some personal effects that are meaningful to you. You may have a car. But hold on, is that car leased or subject to a payment plan? Well, in that case you don't really own it, but you still call it yours, you still treat it as your own and so does everybody else, provided they are being respectful, of course. Naturally, the same applies to any real estate you own. Most homeowners have a mortgage. Yet, they still call the house theirs and treat it with care, take pride in it and its appearance, and enjoy it with friends and family. But of course, here we can identify the same issue of true ownership. You don't really own your house. Personally, as the recent purchaser of my first terrestrial dwelling, I've been living on a sailboat for the last four years, I was struck by the enthusiasm with which every single person involved in the transaction exclaimed, Congrats! You are almost a homeowner. First it was the agent, then the lender, then the title company, and eventually when I was handed the keys by the selling agent, I rolled my eyes and silently mouthed along with her words, Congrats! You are a homeowner. No, I'm not. I own a 20% stake in the home I just bought. But tell me, when I make my final payment on the loan, Will somebody be there to congratulate me one, last, legitimate time on being a homeowner? I doubt it. Because frankly, even then, I won't be a homeowner. Why? Because I still owe taxes every single year, and substantial ones, amounting to roughly 2% of the purchase price. What happens if I don't pay my taxes? Well at first it wouldn't be so bad. I would get some calls, some offers to restructure my payment schedule, perhaps. But eventually it would get nasty, and a lien would be placed on my property, an immutable claim on my residence that must be paid off under threat of eviction and complete confiscation. So I don't really own my house, and neither do you. Nor do you own your car, since most states and countries require a yearly registration or use tax. Again, if you don't pay your taxes, your property can be taken from you. 
we are left with no true ownership over anything except for the trinkets mentioned earlier, our personal effects, things that nobody else would really want to bother with anyway. It gets worse. You don't even own your labor. Any gains you earn from your hard work is also subject to taxation, which may seem benign if it's automatically deducted from your paycheck every month. You may even be lulled into feeling like the government actually sends you money every year in April if you are lucky enough to be due a refund. But it's not benign. Just try not paying your taxes. Things get nasty really quickly. There is a difference between non-ownership, think Native American folklore, personal ownership, think mine, and collective ownership, think USSR. In most of today's developed countries, we have a strange hybrid which conflates the latter two, but masquerades as the first. Yes, you own all sorts of things, like your house and car and television, but really they are collectively owned by the people, which is supposed to mean everybody, but actually means the government. However, when the spoils of taxation are distributed, they are done so with a non-ownership narrative. Even though you may feel like you could rightfully claim proprietorship over two square feet of Central Park, you'll be told that nobody owns Central Park. It's a common good. Here's a story for you regarding, you don't own your home and never will. I'm not talking about the bank holding the mortgage on your home. Even if you think you own your home free and clear, you really don't own it at all. You lease it from the state and it sets the terms and conditions that allow you to occupy the house or sell it to another lessee. The state owns the house and land in perpetuity and you cannot alter this arrangement. When I was a kid my dad bought a new four-bedroom house in 1964 for about $28,000. He had a good job and stuck his financial neck out by taking on a whopping monthly payment of $190 on a 25-year mortgage. He and my mom would talk about how when they got the house paid off they would not have to pay the $190 every month and that would basically put them on easy street. My dad never made it the 25 years. By the time my mom paid off the mortgage the monthly property tax bill was $450 per month. There is no way to pay that off once and for all and, in fact, it is subject to constant increase by political whim. Eventually the money paid in relentless property taxes exceeds the cost of the home. What was true for her is true for all homeowners. Moreover, the terms and conditions under which you occupy your home are a further burden to you. You can't add onto the home without permission, you can't subdivide the land without permission. You can only have certain pets and only a certain number of them. You must maintain the home to a certain standard. Violation of any rule can cause you to lose the home and be evicted for repeated non-compliance with state orders. After all, they are the true owners. Depending on your tax jurisdiction, when you die a large portion of your home's value can be claimed by the state and your heirs would either have to pony up the cash or sell the home to pay the inheritance taxes. Then the state resets the clock with the new tenant. Throughout the long life of the home the state does not contribute a penny to the expense of the home's upkeep or the costs of complying with the myriad of regulations concerning things like fence heights, swimming pool regulations, tree trimming, wildfire regulations and dozens of other ordinances or bylaws. The state granted monopoly utilities provided to the home, water, phone, gas, and electricity, are further taxed at constantly increasing rates which you must pay in order to occupy the home. Claiming to be an owner under these unilateral and coercive terms and conditions begs the definition of the word ownership. I have briefly lived in a communist country and I can tell you there is very little practical difference in home ownership there. Oh, plus their kids didn't have put their hand over their heart and pledge allegiance to the state every morning at school, I guess that would be too Orwellian for communists. Now, let's take a look at countries with no property taxes where you really own your home. We frequently discuss the idea that governments thrive on taxing the evil rich. It's no secret. Nomadic entrepreneurs are engaged in a different business, 
looking out beyond their own borders to find countries that offer something better. Where can I pay less tax legally? What countries are welcoming to people who want to internationalize and establish a home without paying high tax on their property? We also discuss the idea that history repeats itself, and why that is cause for diversifying your talents and your assets around the world. Governments have taken the same attitude toward taxes, including property taxes, almost since the beginning of time. Their attitude, the higher the taxes, the better. Now. Here's a list of countries with no property tax. Yes, there actually are countries with no property taxes. If you were to tell that to a US politician, they might tell you that if that happened here, the schools would all shut down and people wouldn't be able to get an education. To them, the $28,000 a year in Washington DC or $21,000 a year in New York isn't enough to offer education. This is the crux with owning real estate in a country that charges you for doing so, the money taken from you is never enough. Moreover, since they know they can depend on your money through property taxes, politicians often have less incentive to find more reasonable ways to pay for schools, roads, and other public works. Many countries specifically those that are engaged in expanding their economy and gaining more attention on the international stage are realizing that in order to grow, they need to create an environment that is attractive to investors and property owners. And at Nomad Capitalist, we are all about finding the best. So, here is a list of countries with no property taxes where you can actually own your home. Europe. Although many European countries are known for their high taxes, a few of them have taken a different approach and do not levy a property tax. Monaco. This small European country is gaining popularity among nomadic entrepreneurs with its tax policy and breathtaking views. Europe's smallest non-theocratic microstate, Monaco, has no property taxes. However, like nearby Liechtenstein, be ready to pay. Monaco's glistening shoreline and luxurious homes are a major goal of many high-achieving entrepreneurs, and avoiding property taxes helps make property ownership here even more attractive. If you wish to rent out your Monaco property, there is a 1% tax, although it is payable by the tenant. Overall, Monaco maintains its important place among the list of countries with no taxes making it a continued favorite playground for the wealthy. If you are interested in finding out more about Monaco residency and citizenship, we have published a guide with all the details. Malta Malta Residency Global Resident Program Malta is an archipelago in the central Mediterranean between Sicily and the North African coast. With its beaches, climate, expat community, and business environment, it is a very appealing base for the nomad community. Malta, located off the coast of Italy, is a very popular relocation place for expats around the world. It even ranked in top 10 on our 2017 Nomad Quality of Life Index. We have recently discussed at Nomad Capitalist the Malta Global Resident Program, designed by the Maltese government to strengthen the property market in this up-and-coming island country and EU member state. Malta offers the benefits of a European lifestyle while offering powerful incentives for property owners and investors, including non-existent property tax. Malta does, however, assess a stamp fee in lieu of property tax. Malta is gaining the attention of many entrepreneurs who see EU residency and potential of economic citizenship as a key part of their internationalization plan. Georgia Thanks to its free economic policies and low taxes, Georgia is one of the most business-friendly countries in the world. I own a number of properties in Georgia, and I haven't paid a dime in taxes on any of them. In fact, most of the people I know who own property there do not pay property taxes either. However, there is a caveat here, if you make more than 40,000 lari, about $15,000, per year through Georgian-sourced income, then you need to pay a small annual property tax of 0.1%. For example, my lawyer's income exceeds that limit, 
so he must pay about $150 per year on his $100,000 apartment. If you don't have any Georgian sourced income, on the other hand, then you won't pay any property tax, and as an added benefit, Georgia also does not charge any kind of transfer tax or stamp duty. Oceania Outside of Europe, there are a few interesting countries with no property tax. Not surprisingly, several of these are tropical island nations that would be of interest to foreigners escaping the daily grind. Fiji Fiji does not assess property tax on freehold land. Less than 10% of all of Fiji is freehold land, much of it set aside by the British to entice farmers to come and create agricultural goods years ago, but some suggest Fiji real estate is one of the best investments in the region. One of my VC friends loves the place. Owning land in Fiji is a relatively straightforward way to get permanent residency there. Fiji also has a territorial tax system that allows residents to pay no tax on income earned outside of Fiji, such as through an offshore company. Fiji is a favorite real estate investment by many as it boasts competitive rates relative to the Pacific and is a major tourist destination. Cook Islands Cook Islands Cook Islands, an offshore alternative to a Wyoming trust and one of the countries with no property taxes. In addition to no wealth taxes or capital gains taxes, the Cook Islands in the South Pacific doesn't assess property taxes. This island chain, in free association with New Zealand, has recently gained attention for its asset protection trusts and favorable no-property tax policies. However, land cannot be easily owned by foreigners in freehold form and instead the government requires leases for non-Cook Islanders that max out at 60 years. This semi-sovereign island chain may become more important for real estate but for now, may present some challenges for foreign investors, in spite of its Pacific paradise draw. Caribbean region. Like Oceania, a number of island nations in the Caribbean have also foregone property taxes. Cayman Islands. Cayman Islands has no income tax no property tax. Cayman Islands has one of the largest and most sophisticated offshore sector, thanks to be a no income tax country and no property taxes country. The Cayman Islands once again makes the list as a long-standing name in the offshore world, no property taxes, no personal income taxes, no capital gains taxes, no corporate taxes, no payroll taxes and no withholding taxes on domestic of foreign entities. In other words, the Cayman Islands is very friendly to nomadic investors who want to get a piece of this Caribbean property market. Property prices seem to be rising especially along the main areas of Seven Mile Beach, in light of recent luxury developments and increased demand. The islands are among the most developed in the Caribbean and boast excellent beaches and good business infrastructure, although cost of living can be higher in this region. Dominica Where is the cheapest place to buy citizenship Dominica? Dominica gained popularity among expats for its CBI program, but it is also on our list of countries with no property tax. Dominica has no property taxes and is a major contender in the second citizenship world, offering one of the most cost-effective citizenship by investment programs. This Caribbean island nation is known as the Nature Island and is English-speaking, having obtained independence from the United Kingdom in 1978. One thing to note is that municipal taxes are levied on properties in Roseau and Canefield urban areas, but otherwise, there are no traditional property taxes associated with most nations. Turks and Caicos. Tax-free countries Turks Caicos. There is no property tax in the Turks and Caicos, but there is an annual stamp duty which is on a progressive scale. The Turks and Caicos, a British overseas territory, is also on our list of 18 tax-free countries where you can get second residency and is generally worthwhile for our readers to look into not only from a financial incentive standpoint but for the excellent lifestyle and quality of destination, especially beaches, it offers. The luxury real estate market is generally booming here and many of our readers may be interested in what owning property here could offer to diversify their residence or investment choices.
Asia and the Middle East. In Asia and the Middle East, you'll find that certain rising markets and oil-rich countries with low tax rates tend to forego property tax. Sri Lanka. Countries with no property taxes Sri Lanka. After years of being overlooked, Sri Lanka is becoming a popular destination and it's easy to see why, not only for its azure beaches and climate, but also for its tax-friendly environment. Sri Lanka has no property taxes and rental income earned by non-residents is taxed at 20%. This nation, located below India in the Indian Ocean, is more and more of interest to many entrepreneurs and nomads because of its growing tourism industry and potential towards more pro-business policies. The economy has had steady growth rates in recent years and is home to major industries such as precious metals, agriculture, IT, and textiles. Capital gains tax was abolished in Sri Lanka over a decade ago and rental income is taxed at a flat rate. United Arab Emirates Dubai countries with no property taxes. Dubai an exotic place where you can really own a home. The Middle East is also becoming known as a zero-tax region, with many countries there touting no income taxes. Dubai Number 2 on our QOL index list for 2017 is a place where you can have a home base and an actual home. Dubai is a country with no property tax, although it also assesses a one-time fee upon purchase of the property. The UAE is home to some of the most innovative and impressive, the world's tallest building, largest mall, etc., real estate projects and is also arguably the most welcoming part of the Middle East to international investment and tax-free incentives. Gulf countries, Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, and Saudi Arabia. Other Middle Eastern countries like Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, and Saudi Arabia are all property tax-free, as well. While many Westerners might not be paying as much attention to opportunities in this region, the extremely capitalist-friendly, and in some cases non-existent, tax codes regarding property are appealing. The region can create challenges for some foreigners regarding permissions or cultural adjustment in the case of residential property. Kuwait, for example, does not allow for foreign ownership except by other GCC countries, and Saudi Arabia restricts non-Muslims from ownership in the holy cities of Medina and Mecca. Regardless, no property tax is a huge benefit for those looking to reduce their government burden. The catch, stamp taxes. Before you hop on a plane and hire a realtor to buy a home in a country with no property tax, you should consider another tax that governments frequently levy on property purchases, the stamp tax. Some governments levy a stamp tax, which is also known as a real estate transfer tax, on all property purchases. Essentially, when you buy the property, you pay a percentage of the purchase price to the government as a stamp duty on the transfer of ownership. Sometimes, this property transfer tax isn't the worst thing in the world. When I bought my apartment in Malaysia, for instance, I paid a stamp duty of about 3% of the value of my purchase. While that raised my apartment's initial price tag, it was well worth it to only pay around $400 in property taxes per year. In other countries, it may be a different story. When I looked into buying property in Barcelona, I noticed that real estate there was surprisingly cheap. However, as I dug deeper into the market, I realized that the reason why property was so cheap was because buyers had to pay an extra 8 to 10% in stamp taxes, on top of property taxes, to the Spanish government. As you can see, some of these stamp duties are rather cursory whereas others can be quite substantial, so you will need to factor this issue in when you decide to make a real estate purchase in any of these countries. However, since the stamp tax is a one-time payment, it can be a better deal than paying an annual property tax. Conclusion There are relatively few countries that truly have no property tax. Many have merely allowed property owners to pay a front-loaded sum in the form of a stamp tax or other fee that eliminates the need for never-ending taxation. Given the choice between two evils, I'd rather pay a front-end fee and be able to limit my costs going forward. 
I also have to wonder if the presence of a significant stamp tax depresses prices slightly, as buyers must have more liquid cash up front. I suspect many Westerners, used to putting 1.2% down when buying real estate, would scoff at the idea of investing overseas for that reason. If you're buying property for your own enjoyment or for yield, I imagine there may be some tiny benefit from such upfront taxes. At least in countries with no property taxes on an annual basis, you can actually keep more of your own money in your pocket each and every year. That's something most governments don't want you to do. If you're interested in high yield and high appreciation real estate opportunities, you can apply for help so we can determine your best options as part of a personalized and completely legal offshore plan. Ooh, doggy, what y'all think about that? 11 reasons why this, this person suggests that you should never own a home. And I agree with it 100%. Let me tell you something. I used to think that, like I tell y'all when I first started talking here, America, the home of the free and the brave. But America is still the home of the slave. And I'm not talking about black folks as being slaves. Let me tell you something. We have more laws on the book than probably any communist country. I was riding down the street one day and I'm riding it and, it and the figure just came to my head. I'm looking as I'm driving and I'm seeing signs everywhere. Signs on the street, on the side of the road telling you to do this. Signs telling you to do that. I'm seeing red lights telling you to stop, red lights telling you to go. I'm seeing yellow lines and roads you can't cross. Do you know of information and rules that you have inside your head when you drive? subconsciously you're driving down the street but you're driving and you and all these rules are coming inside your head because if you get out of balance one one if you if you make one mistake outside of one of the rules the police can pull you over for something and get you a ticket if you don't stop at that stop sign if you don't yield if you don't go 55 miles an hour, do you know how many rules that we have on the books in this country and we supposed to be a free free society this is, this is what I mean by the emperor has no, no clothes and the biggest propaganda scheme and advertising and marketing is by, by our country. And don't get me wrong, now, I love America. It's the only country I know. But what, I, but what I'm looking at these days is that we're supposed to be so free, but we got all these rules and regulations. Now, I know we got a lot of rules and regulations because without a lot of rules and regulations, some folks just just take advantage of other folks. Now, understand that. It's just like just like when you got to do something on your house. Sometimes people complain because they got to go down to the city and get a permit to work on something inside their house because they think the house is theirs. No, the house ain't yours. You got to get a permit because you fixing on no folks house. You fixing on the city and the state house. They want to make sure that whatever you're doing to that house it's being done right because when it gets time to sell that house, right, they needs to get their money out of that house too. You don't think that when you got to go down there to get a permit for how to do something in your house, it's, it's, it's because uh, they're they looking out for your interest. They want to make sure you ain't getting no jack leg shed, uh, shed tree carpenter with an old rally truck with a sign on, on the side of it saying, handyman, do you? Working on your place. And then when you go to sell the house, you can't get nothing for it because the property value decreased because this person did a half joke a job on it. No, those folks want to make sure that it's done right. It's done to their specifications. So when you get ready to sell that house, you can get the value out of the house and they can get increased tax on it. See, those folks can't make no money if, you, if, if your house don't appreciate. If your house depreciate, they can't make money. If you get bad work, or workmanship in your house and depreciate, the city and the state can't get their money. 
Everything that you do when you buy a house, it ain't yours, it's theirs. I learned this a long time ago. Like I say, I, I didn't have this talk inside my head back then. I mean, back then when I had my property in, in 2008, but you know, 2006 or seven, no, just before the economy collapsed, I had property. All my property is just like overnight, just depreciating. It wasn't worth a hill of beans. Just bam, blink of the eye, the property depreciated when the economy had collapsed. Wasn't worth nothing. And I got to thinking to myself, I said, you know what? I say it's mighty interesting. Now here the government is, right? The government gave uh that boy Paulson and Bushnell and the Federal Reserve at that time, they paid, they paid the notes on them bad mortgages, per se, what they said. They paid the notes, and that boy Bernie, what was that? I looked at him the other day. That that Democrat, he he was and he was he, he was sideways. He was a sideways Democrat, kind of fat. Bernie, I think his name was was his name Bernie. I can't think. I can see his name clear as day. He was one of those advocates about home buying that every American should have a home. You know, he him and him him and Joe him and uh Clinton they push. They push Fannie Mae and they push a lot of them lenders to give these loans on people because Bernie Frank, I think his name was Bernie Frank. I think his name was Bernie Frank. He pushed, I remember clearly, he pushed for this. Everybody should own a home, even if they couldn't afford it. The government, the, the government should relax the regulations like Fannie Mae to, to, to give these subprime mortgages to people who they know they couldn't afford it. Bernie Frank, he's sideways. He won them gay fellas, sideways. But they ain't got nothing to do with his decision making, but I'm just saying. And then later on, when the when 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 the housing market collapsed, he on TV and he backtracking. Now I'm saying that this is a one-line joker. Now I can remember him much as much ago when he fighting Clinton and fighting everybody for home mortgages and subprime mortgages, and everybody deserve a house in this country, even though they couldn't afford it. The government is the government is gonna back these bad loans. And when Fannie Mae and all the Mays, when they when they did all the loans, then the government wanna bail out on them. But the government had to pay them loans because you had foreign investors who bought that them bad notes. And to keep the American illusion and economy going, the government had to pay them folks off with taxpayers' money. But the taxpayer, taxpayer who was underwater, like myself on the property was, we didn't get our house. How can the government pay our back, pay back these notes, pay it off to these foreign investors, but yet we still owe mortgages on the house? We got to get our house refinanced. Property values drop. They take the taxpayers' money. Pay these, bail these investors out for these bad notes that they bought, that they said they was going to back if the economy dropped. Then tell us, if you want that house, you got to refinance it. We'll give you a refinancing deal. But see, it's their house all the time. It's a Ponzi scheme. It ain't no Ponzi scheme. It's, it's just, it, <laughs> you know, Ponzi scheme, it's just a rule that they made. It's always their house. But yet, you have to pay for it. We got to pay for it. When you buy a house, you got to pay taxes on it. I'm telling people, that ain't your house. My house paid for, man. I got this two $400,000 house, man. Every year, I'm getting, um, every year, I, I take a tax credit. If y'all, you listen to the audit, they want to take that away. That, that was something that Reagan promised in the 80s that, that they wouldn't take away. The tax credit, the, the tax deductible on these houses. They trying to take that away from you. And it's only a matter of time before they succeed. 
the tax deductible for these homes, and then they're not giving you much either. They're not giving you much on these on these on, on your tax in here for these houses anymore. And you think about all the money that you paid throughout the year upkeeping that property, and then think about how much you're getting. I bet you pay more on expenses on paying on that house throughout the year than what you get back at the end of the year. Think about it. If if you if if you replacing if you fix your house up every year, you doing things in your house every year. You know you you may be out of wash, you may be dry, drying a buying a dry, you may have a roof put on, you may do whatever maintenance, you may have lawn sprinklers put on. If you add all that money up in maintenance that you do that house every year, and then you look at what they give you back at the end of the year, you you you're not making no money, you're not profiting. But yet, then you still paying taxes on that house, and then if you and then if you incur a, a, a gain on that house, right? If that house appreciates, if you sell it, it's over two hundred some thousand dollars. Now you got to pay a capital gain taxes, and then and then uh, Obama comes along with, with with this medical thing, right? Uh, here it is another two three percent tax on your capital gains on that property if you make a profit on it. The, 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 the gold pay for this Medicare Obamacare thing. Then they lied us about the school system. This money going to the school system. That money don't go in no school systems. They're like they like they came, the boys came out there and were talking about the lottery. They trying to sell a lot of the people. If y'all get the lottery here, the state lottery here, the money from the state lottery is going to pay for the schools. Ain't a dime of that money ever went to pay for no schools. The schools steady closing up around the country. But anytime, anytime you, talk about, anytime you talk about property taxes, they always want to raise your property taxes because it pays for schools. They hit you with that emotional thing. What do you get out of buying your house? You got that phone down there, oh yeah, that's my house. You remember mine, personal, mine, 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 that's mine. They hit your house. That's the city house, that's the county house. And that's the state house, and that's the federal government house. You just paying for their stuff. And you can own a $400,000 house but miss three years of taxes. They come in there and take that joke of probably $8,000 and sell it. Oh, they want the $8,000, they don't care nothing about the $400,000. They put a short sell on that bad boy quick and been paid off. And if the bank come in, the bank come in, and that's another one. If you still got a mortgage on the house and you lose, and you, uh, and you default on the loan, the bank gonna come in and do a short sale on it, but then the state, the state gonna get the state gonna get their taxes on it. The city gonna get their stack, their taxes on it. Everybody gonna get their make. Give the, everybody gonna make their money off the houses if you default on it. It's just a big game. I tell people about their car. You don't even own your car. You get a certificate title. You don't never get no title of your car. GM owns your car, and the state owns your car. When GM make that car, your original title goes to the state. Whatever state you in, and they issue a certificate title, even when you sell it, it's their car. It never stops being their car. You just paying car note on it. That's why I won't go and buy no new car. I'll be you a fool. You go and buy a new car. It ain't your car. You pay it off. It still ain't yours. You think it is? Don't buy that little sticker and put on that license plate and see if you can drive that car. I bet you can't. That's their car. They give you permission to drive their car. And when you sell it, instead of selling it, you got to pay a tax on it. It's their car. Even if it's paid off. I don't care if it's a 1942. You let it hit that road out there, you better pay a tax on their car to drive it. If not, they can just sit there and rot. They already got their money off of it. It's just a big game. 
Like I tell y'all, in, in this country, ain't nothing free. Nothing free. Nothing the home of the free and the home of the brave. That's BS. We got so many laws. We got so many regulations on the books. You do anything out of pocket, they can send you to jail or with a stroke of an ink pen, take everything you got in life and put you on the street butt bone naked. You don't own nothing. Even your labor, like talk about your labor, you don't own your labor. I got to get up in the morning and go to work, right? I go to work, right? They give me a little check, but before I get my little check, the government take their taxes out of it. Ain't that like slavery? Ain't that like sharecropping? And I know sharecropper back in Louisiana, my Uncle Willie was a sharecropper, right? When, 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 when the harvest come in, the general store got to get their money first because all, because all year long, He's been borrowing shelves, shovels, and rakes, and feed, and seed, and all that kind of stuff because he couldn't afford to pay for it. So when his heart came in, they got their money first, and then they gave him what was left. That's like you're working. We work every day, every two weeks, we get a check, but we get what's left, what they take. And if they decide they want to take more, they're going to take more without accidents and then give us what's left. Even your labor, you don't own your labor. What do you own? Do you own your name? You got to register your name. And you got to pay taxes on your name. You got to pay taxes on you. Everything you do, you got to pay taxes on. You don't own, we don't own nothing in this country. But we think we do. We think we're freer than other countries. That's because we don't know anything. Like, like that boy was saying, when, when, we, when Americans teach history, they teach about America. When, when the world teach history, they teach about world history. See, we thinking that we are much more than what we think. We think we have all these embeddings. We can go anywhere we want to go. That's true. You can go anywhere you want to go. But you better have you better have some ID in your pocket in case you get pulled over to say where you came from. That would that, that, that would you better have. And if you're driving a car and you take that car to another state, you better register, register that car in another state. Like California. You go to California with your car. You got to register that car in California. Plus, you got a big, big tax to pay on that car you bring it to California. And other states do the same thing, too. You, you take a car from one state to another. You got you to get a different license plate, and you got to pay a tax on it. Because now they got to transfer that original title to that state. In other words, the car, if you buy, you buy a car in California, that's California car. You, 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 go, you go to Texas. You got you to gotta transfer that car and get you a Texas license plate. Te California says Texas that title. California say, okay, Texas, now nah, it's your car. See, it's still a government. It's your car, not Texas, right? So Texas give you a, a certificate of title once you pay the license plates on the sticker. So now it's Texas car. And you go to Louisiana, you transfer it. Now it's Louisiana car. They transfer the original title. But you never get the original title. That's just like that, just like your house. When you pay your house out, you don't get the original title for your house. You don't get the original deed. That's theirs. You get a certificate. That's theirs. It's always theirs. You don't own nothing in this country. That's why I tell people, like myself, I rent. You know why I rent? I rent because I get on folks their money every month. What they ask for. What we agreed to. We have got a contract. I signed a contract with my landlord, right? They say what they was going to do. I said what I wasn't going to do, okay? What I wasn't going to do was tear their stuff up and all that other stuff. So we had an agreement. We wrote down an agreement, and they charged me a dollar amount. 
I get on folks their money every month. Every month on time. Sometimes days before my rent due. Because I appreciate them folks letting me stay in their house. Especially in a good environment that I live in. You see, I have been a landlord. I've had property. So I understand good tenants and bad tenants. You see, I want to be a good tenant to my landlord because I appreciate him letting me stay where I stay with all these good, fantastic amenities. So I make sure he's paid every month on time. Right? Now, if anything happened to this place, I ain't got to fix it. If a hurricane come through here and blow the roof off this bad boy, I go get me a hotel until the roof is fixed and then I come back. Those are not my expenses. Those his expenses. I don't have to worry about the taxes every year on it. Those his expenses ain't mine. But, but me, being a respectable person that I am, I know what it's like being a landlord. So you know what? I make sure that I take care of my place. Because see, I still pay for it. I say I live it. I make sure it's clean. I make sure I don't be breaking appliances and getting and getting him to spend money to fix stuff that 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 I just abuse just because it ain't mine. I call him. I take care of my washer. I take care of his washer and his dryer because I appreciate him. You know, letting me stay here using his washer and his dryer. I appreciate that microwave, that brand new microwave. I appreciate that brand new kitchen remodel. I appreciate that, so I take care of it. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to charge him. I don't, I don't want him coming around here fixing things every five minutes, spending money on upkeeping his property when I'm here just because I don't own it. But see, everybody, every tenant ain't like me. But see, because my thing of it is, I pay my bills. I don't have all that overhead. I'm not worried about tax at the end of the year. I'm not worried about if something breaks, how I'm going to fix it. I'm not worried about none of that. That's my landlord responsibility. But what I do, what I do be, I'm conscious of, I'm conscious of that I take care of his stuff because I appreciate where I live and I live real good. But I don't want that over here. I want to be able to, if my job say move, move, move to, uh, move next week somewhere, I want to be able to go to my landlord and say, well, look, my company say I got it. My company say it's time for me to move. They got this deal for me. I want to be able to go in and talk to him like a man. And say, well, I'm, I'm gonna be transferring out, and whatever money we money uh money arrangements we come to to get me out of the lease, then that's what we come to. But I don't have to worry about selling my house. Matter of fact, material things in my house don't mean a thing to me. Well, if I get ready to move somewhere, I'm not I'm not I'm not getting no U-Haul truck and all. I'm not hauling no junk across state. I get rid of all this stuff and then going somewhere else and get and get most stuff. Because it don't mean it's just material things. You see what I'm saying? That TV, that, what do I do? What do I, I own TV? I own, I own my TV? Okay. Do I pay taxes on my TV? No, I own my TV. But I still got to pay the light bill every month. That TV ain't no good if I don't pay that light bill. You see what I'm saying? Do I own my bed? Yeah, I, I do own my bed. But my bed, you know, my, 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 my bed ain't worth nothing if I'm not in a comfortable environment. See, when you put things in perspective when you're dealing with your money, see, we look at these things because society tells us that we need these things. We need the fancy clothes. We need the fancy cars. We need to attract people into our lives. 
Then we need to compound our lives by bringing somebody else into our lives, take take care of them, and then they have kids, bring these kids to our lives, compound. And then we so stressed out because of all these things because America is the free, is America home of the brave. We ride down the street. We got to pay attention to every red light, every stop sign. We got to pay attention to people riding their bikes on the side of the road. We got to pay attention to people riding their golf carts on the side of the road. We got so much information being barred. Every time we hear ambulance, we got to make sure we pull over to a safe distance. We got so many rules and regulations that they call this place a free society, but it's not. You can't have a free society when there's a rule for everything. You can't do it. It's not a free society. But one thing you have to realize is that America, this country is an experiment. It was started on an experiment. The government, what well, they know what they was doing. Then and then and then, and then the, the country, country was the country was was started by people who who was fleeing their own country, who wanted to get away from rules and regulations and oppression over England, their own country, and they come here and over a group of time, it's the same thing. Bunch of rules and regulations, which, like I say now, a lot of rules and regulations I sure agree with. Because without rules and regulations, things would be a whole lot crazier. But what I'm saying is that don't go to the illusion of thinking that you're in a free society when you're not in a free society. You don't own nothing. You got to pay these folks for everything. You got to pay every rule, every sign. How is that freedom? Let me tell you something. Myself, I've been thinking to myself, you know, I want to build me a dome house. That's my goal. My goal is to build me a dome house, right? The city ordinance right here where I stay is you can't buy it, you can't build no dome house. You got to build one of these old crazy wood structure houses or traditional home, as they say. See, the insurance companies, the insurance companies won't get involved in dome houses. You know why? Because there ain't enough money into it. Because them houses don't break down. You see what I'm saying? They don't break down a hurricane come through. A dome house ain't gonna, ain't gonna fall apart if it's built right. Especially if them boys, monolithic home, monolithic home builders in Texas, if they build your dome house, your dome house ain't going nowhere. See, you get a dome house, you don't need no insurance. What's gonna happen to it? It ain't gonna burn down in a fire. A hurricane ain't gonna knock it over. Insurance company won't insure no dome house. They want you to build these wood structures that are burned down. They want you to build all. They want you to build all this traditional crazy stuff that don't make any sense. Nobody has any forward thinking because it's all about money. How can we get the most money? If that house don't burn down, we can't. We can't get no insurance from it. These cities' regulations. You got to build a house that look that, that look like these other folks' house with this cheap cardboard manufacture homes. Trucks bringing the, the, the cement separated from the house. And these folks out here, where I'm at, they paying four, five hundred thousand dollars getting these brand new houses built, and the houses separating from from the doggone the, the pavement is separating from the houses. All this prefab stuff, and they charging people hundreds of thousand dollars for, and the people don't even own it. You paying two hundred thousand dollars to three hundred dollars for a house that you don't even own. They build a house, the builder, the builder pays money for the buyers of land per se. From the city, right? But they buy rights to the land. They don't buy the land. The city still owns the land. They buy the rights to the land to build all these houses on. Those taxes for that land still have to be paid by that landowner to whatever that city is. 
Then they put these old prefab for hundred, five or two hundred thousand dollar houses on. You go in there and sell it to you, right? And they pay the taxes off the money they sold to you for. And they put the rest in their pocket. Then you got that four hundred thousand dollar note, three hundred, two hundred dollar note. Now every month you paying on it, right? And you paying the you you paying the house note, and then at the end of the year you paying the taxes on it. But in between that, this this four three hundred four hundred dollar house is falling apart. It's brand new, but it's falling apart because it was built so cheaply. Now you spending money on this thing, trying to keep the yard sprinklers from break, not breaking, trying to keep the air conditioning unit, trying to keep the drywall from not falling in. You spend all this upkeep on this house because it's your house. You buying this house, but yet you still put spend, put spending money on the money pit. See, it ain't punish me. And then when you pay it off, you still don't own it. Mr. Taxes on it. You still don't own it. And you still got upkeep on it. So what do you own? But me, I go in, I rent. Man, look, we got this guy, I'll give you my money, you let me rent your place, and we good. I'm going to make sure you get your money. I'm going to make sure I take care of your property because I want to stay here for as long as I can. And I want you to make money at the same time. We good. But see, you get hooked up and hooked up in this scheme of buying your house on your house because you think you somebody. And then they build your house right next door to somebody else. You 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 you, you literally can spit out your window and hit their house. And talk about is it, a is a community. And then the most stupidest thing I ever heard in my life is you buy these condos. You know what condos is an apartment? That's the most tricky, that is the most trickiest language that I ever felt or I saw people fall for. The sucker move. Talking about they live in a condo. No, you live in an apartment. Instead of renting you the dog on apartment every month, they sold you the dog on apartment every month. If you have a water problem in your condo, it's going to affect the next condo next door. The only problem is, one thing about it is that they don't have to fix it because it's not an apartment. See, if it was an apartment, and the water problem came in your place and affected the place next door, then the, the apartment owners will have to fix it. But by making this apartment a condo, right, they can sell it to you for two hundred some thousand dollars and you still liable for whatever happens in that place. And if it affects the other person's place, then you are liable for that also. Condos are the biggest sucker move I heard in my ever seen in my life. People get these condos, they go, oh, I live in a condo. No, you live in an apartment. You overpaid for apartment and you liable for it. See, that's why they don't want me to build no dome house. You see, build me a 1200 square foot mile little dome house. And I thought that boy Kanye West was crazy. Kanye West ain't crazy. He ain't crazy. I'm build me a dome house and I don't worry about no, you don't have to insure my dome house. You know how much money that you save every year by not insuring and that's the most craziest thing. You pay folks good money every month to insure your house, and they do absolutely nothing for you. That's just money that you pay to like disappear. And then as soon as something happens to your house, they find an excuse not to pay you. Oh, that's that oh, that's not covered. Or or, or you or you have to wait. You you can pay 10 years into insurance on your house. Or the state house. You can pay 10 years on the state house insurance and never have a claim. The first claim you have, they'll try to deny you. They sure will. They'll try to shut you down.
They don't want to pay you. Right? You can you could you you take that little money that you pay them every month, that insurance company, and put that money into a bank or investment every year. Something happened to your house, you pay on your house, you get it, you get it fixed. Look like a car. My car that. I got an old car. My car run good. I got 2004. My car run good. I ain't buying no other car. My car, it, that, it's paid for. Now, I say my car, but it's a state car. I pay the insurance company $65 every month because I got to pay them. Every year, I got to go get, I, I got to go ask the state to give me a little white sticker to put on the back of it. I get them $84 for their little white sticker. Then, here's so often, I got to get, get a driver's license, so I pay them so I have a driver's license. So I can drive on their road. So I can drive their car on their road. I got to pay them. You understand? When you put this thing in, in, in perspective, you got to pay them to live in their house. You got to pay to keep their house up for them. That's all you doing when you got a house. You pay, you got to pay the state to stay in their own house. Remember, you'll never own that house. The title is theirs. Title companies. Y'all know what title companies are? It's theirs. All they title companies do is just do research. Charge you two, three thousand dollars do research back, title research on your property to see if there's any liens on it. That's how a title company do it. But the biggest lien hold on your property is the state. Whatever your little city government is, they, they, <laughs> they're the title company. They hold they the original title on your company. Everybody else who might have had is just is just they looking for to see if anybody owed owe them any money in between the original title and the house being sold to you. So they do that title search, see if there's any other liens on the house. See, because they want all their money. But yeah, you pay two, three thousand dollars when you when you buy a house for them to do that title search to clear the title for you, they say. They already know about that. They know about them titles, they know who own their property. The house ain't going to, the house ain't traveling to a different set, different country. The house businesses has been built. They have the history of the house. Yet the title companies make two, three thousand dollars off you to do a title search to see if there's any other liens on the property. They know the biggest lien owner on the property is the state. Anybody else, what they looking for, they looking to see if anybody own the state, owe the state any money. See, that two, three thousand dollars is for you to do, uh, uh, for them to do a title search to make sure that there's no other there's no other liens in, in on that house that the state ain't getting their money on. See, we buying all this illusion. See, we don't teach our kids this. See, y'all teach our kids out there, you know, to get a job and buy a house, all that kind of stuff. A house is where your equity is. It's just how quickly do we forget about 2007, 2008 when the economy collapsed? How quickly do we forget how fast property values can drop in this country? Are we that delusionary? Are you that delusionary? That the, your property values dropped. Some people lost their houses. Some people kept their houses, tried to hold on to their houses, but then had to refinance their house after the government paid their house to pay the debt off. The house has been free and clear to you, but they not because the government, the government paid their debt off for their house. Now you have to refinance their house so you can start paying them back for money that they put out on your house, on their house. Do y'all get what I'm saying? What do you own? 
to be bragging about their house. I look at people spending all this money on their house, on 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 on, on these houses, keeping the lawn up and all that kind of stuff. I be saying to myself, boy, <laughs> that's kind of crazy right there. You you keeping the state house up for them? You doing a good job keeping the state house up for them? You doing a good job keeping their values up? You doing a good job? Now, miss 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 a tax note on it. Or let them come in here, come 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 through here, want to build a highway or a park. See how fast they declare eminent domain on their house. See, that's how eminent domain is. Eminent domain is, you know, they'll try to act like they'll give you a little money for your house, but if you won't take the little money they want to give you for the house, they'll just declare eminent domain on there. That means is that we're gonna take our house now. <laughs> Even though maybe we we gonna take our house now. We ain't gonna give you no. We 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 changed our mind. We ain't giving you no money. Even though man, we taking our house. Just going down the road. Don't worry about it. You got you, you got you got um you got four hours to get out get out the house wherever you can carry. Other than that, we bulldozing it. Highway coming through here. We building we are building a new store for Walmart. <laughs> I'm telling y'all. You need all stuff. Better for you to rent. Just rent. You save more money. You can invest more money. Especially when you get older. Why? When you get older, what the hell you want to have a big old house with a big old car no for? Huh? You're not going to live 25, 30 years to see it paid off. And when it's paid off, it's still not yours. And nine times out of ten, if you leave it to a little family member, they're going to sell it. They're going to sell it and get the money, whatever they get for right off the bat. Because they don't want to deal with it. Better you to rent your places, travel, relax, and have fun. Now, like 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 they talk about in a little talk here. Now, some people who know the game should get involved in, in buying property. If you know the game, if you know how this thing works, you can work the system. But I'm talking about the average person and how we teach our kids about home ownership. And like I said, I keep preaching to y'all. A house is not an asset until it's sold, and that's only that's only if, if, if the house has increased in value. But if you sell a house and you sell it for what you bought it for, or it depreciated, then that house has been a liability because you haven't calculated all the money that you spent in between. You see, you have you you have to look at that. You know, we 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 just uh, you know, we look at. You know, everybody want to come to America because they think America is free. Well, you come to America and, uh, you know, the only people that live free, per se, is the people that don't contribute. And the people that don't contribute, you know, I'm talking about healthy people that's on these social service programs. You know, you know, like when folks say that they can make more money on welfare than they can working, well, that's true because the government puts folks in that position. But what, but what do they per se get this money from? To pay people not to do anything. They get it. They get it. They get it from taxes. They get it off renting or charging you a fee. They're not renting, but yeah, charging folks a fee to rent their stuff. And they rent their stuff like houses. Rent their stuff like apartment buildings. Rent their stuff like cars. Rent their stuff like utilities. 
See, a lot of these big utility companies, they're, they're, they're owned by the cities and the states. And if they're not completely owned by them, they have a hell of an investment in them. You know, when you when, uh, when 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 you ride around and see the the electric truck with your city name on it, then your city owns it, and they and and, and they can charge you anything they want to charge you, and you can't do nothing about it. Tax the same way; they can go up on tax anything they want to. You can't do nothing about it. So, what do you own? What is what is the benefit? What is the benefit of owning anything? Now, I'm going to kind of get philosophical on y'all right here now. Because let me tell you something. Life is not permanent. You know, like they say, sometimes we buy a house, you buy a house young, you think you will live in a house 30 years. You ain't going to live in that house no 30 years. Because things, conditions in life change. As you get older, you change. Your employment situation change. The economy change. Things changes. You being in a house for 30 years is crazy these days. Because when everything around you goes to heck, you can't move because you're stuck in this mortgage. Life is not permanent. Life is not fixed, folks. That's why you have folks called nomads, people that roam. That's why Indians, Indians move with the season. They move with the animals. They move when the food moves. That's how we naturally supposed to be. You got some people living, you got some people living in these cities all their life. They never went nowhere. From the time they were born to the time that they old, they ain't never, they ain't never left their little city. Now, now, they, now they may have drove, drove across state line or somewhere and visit somewhere else, but they always came when they never moved and never traveled, never did anything. That's not life. Life ain't gonna never stay the same and wait on you. You have to be able to move and be flexible in life. And you can't be flexible in life when you pit down with a whole lot of paying for somebody else's stuff. Like these houses and all this other stuff. You got to be flexible. You have to be able to move with the signs. See, if the signs say, I'm like this, if the signs say the economy over here is bad, it's time for me to move. But one thing I didn't do, I didn't bog myself down with a whole lot of responsibility and a whole lot of debt. You see, I almost did, you know, luckily, my ex-wife was, smart, was smarter than me and they divorced me. <laughs> I'm glad they did. <laughs> Bill ain't nothing permanent in life. People ain't coming in your life. People ain't permanent in your life. Nothing permanent. You have to be able to change with the times. You always have to be one. And you can't be able to change with the times when you, when, when you believe when when you when you have when when you have bought into a false dichotomy. Now I just use that word. Boy, I, I ain't learned that word in Louisiana. I must have learned that word from Google. <laughs> but you believe in a false dichotomy. You believe in a false economy. You buy into that false economy. That's why I see all these athletes, they be having two, three houses. Yeah, I got housing California, I got a house here. I got a house there. Yeah, I believe in man. You the biggest fool and the biggest sucker there is. You're spending million dollars for these doggone homes, and then you're paying thousands of dollars on taxes and upkeep with them every year. And you wonder when your career over where your money gone. 
not just athletes. I just use athletes because those are those are some of the ones that's, that's uh not money smart a lot of times. Heck, I didn't been money dumb a whole lot of times, huh? Whole lot of times. But what I'm glad for is, like I tell you, things change. With new information, we are supposed to change. Only thing I'm saying is that if you get into these home buying and you buying a home, don't buy a house thinking that it's, it's yours and it's permanent because it ain't. My brother always told me when I was coming up, when I started getting my investment thing, he said, you always use other people's money. You know, like I pop a couple podcasts before I was telling y'all about when I bought my first house. You always use other people's money. And you will use other people's money. You're always going to be flexible. You're always going to have room. You're going you're gonna to save your assets. You're going to make money. But you got to keep moving. Don't ever get fixated on anything. Now, a lot of this stuff here, I'm telling y'all, I'm learning now. I have my stuff in a whole lot of situations. Fortunately, I'm not in them now. But I'm looking at the future. Like I told y'all, I'm going to build me a dome house. Show lives. I'm going to get them boys in Texas, monolithic dome homes. I'm going to get them folks to build me a house. Soon as I find the land in Louisiana, we got some land down there. Soon as I found the information on that land down there, we got down there in Louisiana. Uh, build me a home. Build me a show lives. I ain't going to pay no insurance on it. Ain't going to have no electric bill because my dome going to be solar. See, a dome is very efficient. I see that why I don't want, don't want y'all having no dome house. That's why a lot of times, a, a, a lot of these areas, they, they, they don't even want you to have solar power. Because solar power take money out of their pockets. But see, I got some land back down there in that bit, in that bayou down there. Well, I got to check on it and see, you know, who owns it. You know, because I'm not paying for nothing that I'm not going to own. Now, if I get down there and they say, yeah, you know, uh, got this land here. If you pay it, you know, then you own it outright. You own the land outright. I'm going to buy it. But if not, I'm going to keep it moving. I'll just keep reading somewhere. I keep reading until I die. Because life changes. You never know. I may want to go overseas somewhere. But that was my little talk. I know I've been rambling a whole lot. Y'all know me. I'll be talking a whole lot of crazy talk. But y'all own your house. I don't care how much money you pay for. I don't care how beautiful your house is. <laughs> I don't care how many cars you got parked in, 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 in your nice garage. You don't own none of it. You rent all that stuff. You just got a more rent bill than I do. You see, you paying more for rent a month than I do, even, even, even if your property paid off. You know, all that maintenance and upkeep you doing at that house. Add all that money up. Look at your tax break at the end of the year. See how all that comes up. Add all the money that you, that, 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 that you spend on those automobiles. Right? The taxes that you pay buying oil for the cars. Taxes you pay on the new tires. Taxes you pay going to, to, to get that car checked out every year at the mechanic. The taxes you pay on day asthma, that ain't yours. See, it's about what you can use in life. And if you can use it in this country, then you paying some type of tax to up to keep it, to use it. You see what I'm saying? Now, if you can't use it because it's always thrown in the closet, you know, you ain't paying, you got an old car that just sitting there, old junkie car ain't doing nothing, then you got an old car sitting there, junk ain't doing nothing. But as soon as you get ready to haul that junkie car away, they tell you all that junkie car away, you're going to pay them to have that junkie car moved away. Because you either hire somebody who's going to pay taxes or something when they get tired of seeing that junkie car. 
Because they ain't making no money off that junkie car. So stop leaving the mindset that America is the home of the brave and the free. You ain't free. You know, it's like Gil Scott Heron said. He said, do you think it's better to go to your grave as a slave to the minimum wage? Well, I think not. See, you may, you, you may be making $100, $200 a year. Well, look at your lifestyle. You're still a slave to a high lifestyle. A person may make making $18,000 a year. And you making $150, $300, $400, $500, $600 a year. You still a slave to, to, your, to, to your wage bracket, to your earning bracket. You may have more good-looking things that person make $18,000, but you know what? You probably have more stress than they do. You probably have, because the only thing they got to worry about is not getting shot in their neighborhood, getting some food in their belly. That's all they got to worry about because they, they like bills paid by the government probably, Section 8 housing. They got to worry about not getting shot. <laughs> That's all they got not getting shot and, and, and food in their belly. The government subsidizes everything else, but you... You got this four five dollars. You got this big old house and all this upkeep. Then you got to worry about somebody breaking in, trying to get what you got. You got insurance. You got to pay on that thing. You're all on fancy cars like that. You got to upkeep. You are a slave. You are you. You are more so a slave than any slave that was in the field. Think about it. There's more ways to be a slave than getting than getting beat and working in the fields. There's more ways to be a slave. You a wage slave. That's what I call it, wage slaves. Even myself. I got to go to work. I got to go to work and they take my little money out. They take their money out before they give me my little money. I look at my little money and say, man, I get mad. They take all of my little money. I get, what am I going to do? I think I'm going to go up there and them people. I ain't going to them people. <laughs> them people got jails. <laughs> I ain't going them people. No, I just I just get mad at myself to call my little money. I be mulling, but uh, my little. But I don't say nothing. I just go on to work and work two more weeks and try to give me a little, a little, 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 little money, whatever they want to give me, and try to manage it the best way I can. And the best way I can is smartly. It's not buying other, paying for other people's stuff. You see what I'm saying? Like like if you listen to what they were saying in the house, you know, a mortgage is debt. When you rent. It's not considered debt. It's considered expense. It's your credit report a whole lot different. <laughs> All right, well, look, I'm going to get on out of here. I know I talk to y'all. Y'all know me. I just talk. I'm just talking to y'all. Just talking to y'all just, just, just like we sitting out here having, having a little smoke. And that's exactly what we're doing. We have a little cigar, and we just talking. Y'all don't mind me. Y'all got y'all house out there. Y'all y'all like y'all little house. You enjoy your little house. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Y'all keep paying on them folks' house. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Keep paying on them folks' house. Keep repairing them folks' house. Keep 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 them folks' house lawns pretty. And then hopefully, hopefully before you decide to sell them folks' house, the economy don't crash <laughs> like in 2008. Hopefully it don't crash. Now, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it can happen again. So hopefully property values stay up long enough for you to either, well, I don't want to say the negative. But long enough for you to make some money if you sell it, or hey, you just have to take a loss or something happen. But keep paying on them folks' house. Me, I prefer to pay as I go. See what I'm saying? I pay as I go. My life is a lot simpler. I don't have no stress. Life is beautiful. Only thing I can do is sit back here and enjoy my living, 
Maulivia Series B Maduro. Man, this is a good stick. <laughs> All right, well, look at Hey, like I said, I always tell y'all, y'all go out there. And yeah, y'all want to try this Olivia Series B Maduro, go to your local cigar spot first. See if them folks got it. If them folks ain't got it, then you go online to your CI or your host or somewhere like that, and you order for them folks to fill you Maduro up. But you got to try this stick. It's a really good stick. Now look, I'm going to get out of here. Like I tell you all the time before I get out of here, y'all take care of everybody in life. But more importantly, y'all take care of y'all self first. All right now.